Welcome and thanks for joining us for this week's encouraging and faith-building message from C3 Topol. For more information about C3 Topol, visit our website c3churchtopol.org.nz. Now for this week's message. But I'm loving this dilemma series that we are in. And if you haven't been with us for the last few weeks or if you are just visiting with us this morning, the month of September, we are, we're talking about dilemmas. A whole lot of uh, different ones, and I'm just enjoying breaking it open. Pastor Sarah did a great job uh, opening the series with the first uh, couple of weeks, so we're just going to carry on with it this morning. Her and my uh, one of my boys, Phoenix, who's 10 years old, they are in India right now. They, they made it, and they're in India for three weeks visiting some orphanages and some family over there, so Pray for them that uh, she doesn't have to have too many charcoal pills. She's loaded to the gunnels with them, so uh, at least she's prepared for in case of an emergency of uh, Indian food. But uh, this morning, I'm, I want to talk about, about dilemmas, but uh, I don't want to hone in on, on a dilemma, but I want to I speak around the importance of us as believers being, found, being firmly founded on what the Bible says and how the Bible tells us to live life in a world that is rapidly watering down, rapidly shifting the goalposts of morality and culture and what is socially acceptable. And for us as believers trying to live in a modern world, in a, what, a postmodern world, how to live in this environment in a godly context that does not make us totally irrelevant to the world that we live in, but it actually sets us up as beacons of hope for the world uh, that we coexist with. And it's essential for us as believers, and particularly as men, the blokes of the church, and I hope some of you that took up the 10-10-2 challenge are persevering with it, the 10 minutes of prayer and 10 minutes of the Bible and two worship songs every day, because this is building into your life steadfastness that is going to serve you through the dilemmas that you are going to face through marriage, through business, through raising children, and just as you negotiate the complexities of the modern world that we live in. The Bible tells us we're to be in the world, not of the world, that we are to be salt and light, which tells us you are meant to be able to tell a Christian in a crowd. That's what Jesus is saying. He says you're to be the salt and the light of the earth. He's saying, I should be able to spot my homies in the crowd. I should be able to see my people in the crowd. When he looks down from heaven, he should be able to say, there's one, there's one, there's one. He's salty. He's lighty. My kids tell me, Dad, you're salty, but I think it's a, a different kind of salty. <laughs> It's normally when they're getting told off, well, you're salty today. I say, mate, you haven't said nothing yet. Um, you want the darkness as well? No, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> Sarah's away for three weeks. Anything could happen. Pray for us. Fast. Fast for us. If we're just alive, like you've done well. The prayer of the righteous is essential. But... Uh, I've totally lost my train of thought. But uh, Jesus, he's like, you're, you're meant to be different. 
And you need to be okay with it. Don't be not okay with, being, with not being different. Or don't be not okay with being different. You're designed to stand out. That's what salt and light does. It stands out. We installed all these LED panels in the roof when we did the renovation. You guys stand out way more because the light is upon you. Before it was so dark, you were hard to see. But we're designed to stand out and we, we face this dilemma that we, we feel the need to fit in so much we become totally undercover believers in earth. Now, living a biblical moral life does not set us on moral high ground that we may then begin to throw stones at every other person that is not living up to, you know, the, the morals of the Bible. If we have any high ground to stand on, it is the high ground of help. That we have positioned ourselves in a place where we may help others around us through the dilemmas of life that we have faced and you know, overcome and that they may be facing, we have actually established in our life a foundation not of judgment, not of self-righteousness. And the worst things Christians can do is let Christ's righteousness become self-righteousness. Don't be that guy. It's Christ's righteousness that is loaned to you to get you into heaven. Don't let that become self-righteousness. The righteousness that we have is of Christ Jesus, and it is to position us in a place to help other people, to be firmly established somewhere that from that place of security, from that place of establishment, you could confidently reach out into the life of another, knowing that you are not going to be pulled off that foundation yourself, but you're able to help people up out of trouble, out of trauma, out of difficulty, into the, onto the rock of salvation that you have found in Christ Jesus. The dilemma that we are facing is that it all just wants to get so watered down. You, know, you just can't water down the gospel message. It is what it is. It's Jesus Christ, Christ crucified for a sinful world to redeem us, reconcile us with the Father. And we can't water down our lives and, and try and ble blend in so much of the world that we become unrecognizable. Paul said we are aliens in this earth. They always stand out. I've watched enough alien movies. They stand out. They only come to do one thing, to conquer the world. And us as the salt and the light, it is our job to infiltrate. It is our job to bring flavor, to bring light, to bring hope. And together it makes us a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. A beacon of refuge and hope for weary travelers through life. They come to church. They get in the presence of God. They get filled with the love of the Father. They find the relentless Savior, Jesus Christ, and life is transformed because you are a city on a hill. You have something in you that the world needs. But Deuteronomy 22 uh, verse 10 says this, Do not plow with an ox and a donkey yoked together. It's a wonderful passage of Scripture. I just love visualizing it in my head, an ox and a donkey plowing together like a, like a beast of burden and a beast known for its stubborn nature, 
like an ox designed to plow, to shoulder a burden, a donkey the same designed to carry a burden, but painfully stubborn, as stubborn as a, you know, but uh, stubborn as a mule. And an ox trying to work together. I'm not sure if you've ever been to the speedway, not the, not the race track, but the, the speedway, the oval track, the oval dirt track. So if you go down to the pit, or you don't even need to go down to the pit, you might just observe from the, from the stands, these cars are designed in a particular way. They're designed to go one way around the racetrack. Clockwise, I suppose. And they're designed, and one wheel is tiny and the other wheel is ginormous. Because they're engineered to drive in a circle. So they make one wheel bigger and one wheel smaller so the vehicle doesn't have to be essentially steered in the right direction. It's engineered to drive in a circle. One bigger wheel, one smaller wheel, it's going to go in a circle. That is like an ox and a donkey trying to work together. It's naturally going to go in a circle and achieve nothing. It's naturally going to fight itself resist itself, one will go faster, one will go slower. And to a man who's trying to plow his field to plant his wheat or his grain or his pumpkins or his strawberries, whatever it is, he's trying to plow acres and acres of field, getting his straight furrows down his field. An ox and a donkey is going to drive the man crazy. He's going to be left He's going to be right. He's going to be all over the shop because they're not designed to work together. And the Scripture is telling us that we're to live in the world. We're to, we're to, to do life in this world. But there's, a, there's meant to be a difference between a, a donkey and an ox. There's meant to be something that sets us apart and God is saying, if you try and blend the two together too much, it is rendered unproductive and ineffective. That as Christians, we should be bold enough to want to stand out from the crowd. Standing out in the education world, standing out in the business world, standing out in the political world, standing out in the social world, standing out in the cultural world. And I don't mean in a weird way. We've all seen the weird, cringy way. But listen, if you're not standing for something, you'll fall for anything. If you're not resolute, if you're not, sta if you're not living your life intentionally for something, you'll live it unintentionally for something else, for something lesser. And God has called us to be yoked together with like-minded people that we, that we may be a powerful and effective force on the earth, achieving what God has set before us as His people and as His church. Dilemmas will come. Troubles will come. Difficulties will come. And we are designed to stand apart and stand out in our <coughs> in our response to dilemmas and our approach to dilemmas and the way that we deal with dilemmas. 
God has put a deposit of wisdom inside of us. He has put His Holy Spirit, a deposit and guarantee of something to come in us that we may stand firm through the dilemmas of life. And that is what makes us lighty and salty. You see, the world doesn't need perfect Christians. The world needs real Christians with real problems, believing in a real God who has real answers. So you're like, yeah, I went through that in my marriage. I went through that in my finances. Yeah, my business, it went bankrupt or, you know, went, really went bust or it's gone really, really well. And this is how I've stewarded it. This is how I've brought God the glory through it. Like it's not a, don't try and live a perfect life. Man, it'll be exhausting. Just live a great life. Like don't try and have a perfect marriage. It's exhausting. But you can have a great marriage. It's totally different. Like if you're trying to have a perfect marriage or a perfect life, here we go. If you're trying to have a perfect marriage or a perfect life, as soon as one thing goes wrong, it's no longer perfect. How can it ever be redeemed? It's impossible. It's, it's, it's no, you get a bucket of be beautiful water out of the lake and you put a, a drop of blue food coloring in it. It's no longer perfect. It's be, it can't be redeemed. We chlorinate it, filter it. It's tampered with. You know, your life may not be perfect, but that doesn't mean it can't be great. You may look at your life and think, flip, it's far from perfect right now. Doesn't mean it's not great. Doesn't mean, don't, it's not, doesn't mean your life is not great. May not be perfect, but none of our lives are perfect. Only Jesus Christ is perfect. He who was, was who he might, he who was without sin became sin for us. So take that yoke off. Take that religion, that's religion, it says you have to live a perfect life. You should strive to live a great life, a pure life, an integral, filled life, a life that is aligned with the Bible. And like Paul said, although grace abounds, don't swim in the pool of sinfulness just because it does, because you can get out and get hosed down with grace. You say, that's not what grace is about. Grace is the power to live above the problem. Grace is the power to live over top. Grace is the power to be salt. Grace is the power to be light in a world that wants you to be unsalty and just turn the dimmer down and settle for the status quo. But I really believe that's for someone this morning. You've been aiming for perfect. And there's merit in it, but God's saying aim for greatness, not perfection. You can have greatness, but Perfection will leave you disappointed because every time it doesn't work out, you, you feel like a failure. But every time you aim for greatness and it doesn't work out, you just learn something. I'm just going for greatness. You go to the gym, I'm going to bench, you know, if you're Tremaine, 300 kilos. <laughs> if you're Mark, you know, the bar. <laughs> Both are great. <laughs> Personal goals. But both are great. You know, if 300 was perfect and one's benching it and the other isn't, what's that say about that? But both are just going for greatness, just, just going for it. There's people in this room, just go for greatness, not perfection. Don't go for perfection. Take that off in Jesus' name. 
live a great life. You're destined for greatness. You're destined to flourish. You're not destined to live under this burden of every wrong turn, you're a, fa- you're a failure. Every wrong turn, you've blown it. Every wrong turn, I've messed it up. Now, every wrong turn, I've learned something. Every wrong turn, I'm getting stronger. Every wrong turn, I'm learning something that I didn't know before, and I'm just gunning for greatness all the time. Don't yoke yourself with people that are, that are going to just keep you going around in circles. In the moral dilemma that wants to just wind us up, get us walking round and round in circles, but never actually achieving, never actually gaining the greatness that God has for our life. Proverbs 25, 28 says that a a city without walls uh, is like a man who lacks, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. I don't have much time left, but listen, God's Bible is for, uh, is for, your, not for your punishment, but for your protection. This book exists not to punish you, but to protect you. Like a city without walls is like a man who has no self-control, whose morals are vacant. Everything can just come and go as it pleases. But a man who has self-control, a man who knows what he stands for, a man who knows what he lives for, a man who knows who he's yoked to, a man who knows what his life is about, he is like a man with the city that is well fortified. He knows what's coming and going. He knows who's entering, he knows who's leaving, he knows what's coming and he knows what's going out. But a man who has no self-control, a man who has no moral, like a man without morals is like a ship without a compass. It's all fine while you can see land. But as soon as land disappears, you have no idea where you're going if you don't have a compass. And for us as men, we're designed to sail on the far distant, adventurous oceans that God has for us in life. But unless we have a sound moral compass, unless we have sound bearings inbuilt, into our life, the dilemmas will come, the storms will come, the wind will come, things will oppose our life. And if we aren't focused, if we don't have a compass that our life is set on, a true north that we are following, we will find that as soon as we lose sight of the familiarity and the security of the shallow waters and the sight of land, and we find ourselves on the deep oceans We'll have no idea where we're going and what we're about. And the moral dilemma we're facing is that the Bible has been done away with more and more in society. This used to be the cornerstone, the foundation that societies and kingdoms were built upon. It has been eroded. And although the government may pass new bills, may make certain things permissible. The Bible says all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And just because the government makes something permissible, it does not mean it is beneficial for you as a believer to participate in what society now says is permissible. What do we do when they legalize marijuana? It becomes permissible. It does not become beneficial. When they legalize abortion, it becomes permissible, but that does not make it beneficial. When they pass all sorts of laws and agendas and policies, as Christians, if we are not founded individually 
on the Word of God, if we don't know what we stand for, if we don't have our compass, you know, tuned in to the Bible and God's timeless words for us, we will find ourselves drifting through life on the tides of culture and socialism. We're called to be salt and light. Our world is facing a moral dilemma and it's looking to people who know what they stand for, people who know what they're living for. It's looking to Christians to be the salt and the light, not to pass judgment, not to tell them you're doing it wrong, not to throw judgment and condemnation upon people, but to establish ourselves on the rock that we have got a place to help others from. You walk through the streets of Samoa and you observe all their little follies. It's like a little house. It's like a uh, gazebo. It's like a roof with posts. And I was talking to Pastor Michael. I said, how do they make these things? And he's like, well, they just go. They just go around their section, around their village, gathering up rocks. They just make a big pile of rocks. And uh, they just pour concrete over it, poles, a roof. And, uh, and then you got yourself a little, a little beach hut, a little folly. And I thought, gee, that's brilliant. It's so like us through life. Just pick up a rock every day. Add it to the foundation. Like just a little rock every day, a little proverb every day, a little truth every day. You'll be surprised at the end of 12 months what you've built into your life. You'll be surprised at the end, the foundation that you have laid, the, the, the high ground that you've built yourself onto, that you've established yourself on. Just rock by rock can almost seem insignificant, can seem totally ineffective, but day by day, Rock by rock, scripture by scripture, word by word, you are building into your life a moral foundation and a moral compass for you to stand on, for your family to stand on, your business to stand on, and for you to help other people onto in their time of need. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed week.